didn't realise at the time that I'd had two punctured lungs and a few broken ribs and broke my collarbones and lots of internal bruising. And then someone moved to me, they came over to me and they moved me because I think I was kind of stuck between the truck and the building. Hello and welcome to Navigate. I'm your host, Roger Cook. And in this episode is one of our Travel Essential series. At the start of the episode, you heard from Peter Gilbert, who shares her experiences of traveling through New Orleans. Throughout the season, we'll continue to have one-on-one interviews with amazing people doing amazing things. We want to also explore those things that people consider to be vital for when they start to travel. On today's episode, we're going to talk about all things insurance. And we'll hear more from Peter Gilbert uh, as we go through today's episode. So please sit back, listen, and learn from our industry experts and from our unique traveler's story. Now, there'll be some listeners who buy travel insurance when they start to plan their trip, when they start to buy tickets and accommodation. There'll be others who really do consider travel insurance almost as an afterthought. I was fortunate enough to be joined by Stephen Webster from Covermore, who shared his experience and his understanding of who actually does buy insurance and why. If I'm going on a ski trip to Japan and I want to protect my snowboard or I want to make sure I'm covered if my luggage is lost or stolen, here we're looking at functional and rational needs that tend to be the motivator for buying insurance. But if we go a little deeper, we tend to find that there's an emotional need that's the main driver for travel, and that tends to motivate people to purchase insurance. So, for example, that need may be to stand out from the crowd, uh, to enjoy a bespoke experience and to indulge. Now, if this is you, you tend to buy insurance to feel self-assured and to feel in charge of, of the unforeseen. Or it may be the opposite of that, and it may be to connect with loved ones and to affiliate with others. Now, if this is you, You tend to buy insurance to feel a sense of togetherness, to know that you're supported by your insurer and that they'll advocate for you and your family should something go wrong. Or it could be entirely different. It could be that you're seeking adventure and to chase thrills and excitement. Now, if this is you, you tend to purchase insurance to protect you from your own actions. Or it could be the exact opposite of that, of adventure seeking, which is to, I guess, recharge, to unwind, to be nurtured. If that's you, you tend to buy insurance to seek protection from the actions of others, which is the opposite of of adventure seeking. Now, we're all wired very differently and, and whatever your reason for buying travel insurance, it generally comes back to an emotional need to feel peace of mind and that need expresses itself in a number of ways. Who doesn't buy insurance and what's the main driver behind that? Yeah, uh, underinsurance in travel can be a, a costly mistake. Choice have put out some, some really interesting research in recent years and, and they've found that 75% of travellers were covered by travel insurance on their last international holiday and perhaps unsurprisingly older travellers are more likely to purchase insurance with about 91% of baby boomers and 96% of pre-boomers buying insurance. But that number really falls and drops away down to 34% for, for Gen Z and 32% for, for your Gen Y. So there's definitely a relationship between age and, and motivations to buy travel insurance. 
And there's definitely a role for insurers to continue to simplify things like product disclosure statements and to look at new means of communicating what it is and what is and what isn't covered in policies. And there's a role for insurers to design new products that reflect new needs and concerns and COVID-19 and the, the current environment is a good example of that. And that's been a big focus for us, cover more in, in developing COVID-19 benefits. It's ironic that you know, the people who probably take the most risks, you know, the, the younger generation, are not you know, insuring themselves against those risks. And how do we reach those people? How do we change that mindset? Yeah, I think it comes down to new means of communicating and, and reaching out to, to that audience and, and also simplification as well. We need to be better at communicating uh, the benefits of travel insurance and, and do it in mediums and channels that are better reflective of, of a younger demographic. So things like providing product disclosure information via video and, and other online needs as a way to, to cut through and make it simpler for a younger demographic to understand is definitely something that insurers need to look at. That was Stephen Webster, the Senior Marketing Manager from Covermore Insurance, talking about uh, who buys insurance, who doesn't buy insurance, and how we uh, access those people who are underinsured. As a 21-year-old on her first overseas adventure, Peter Goodwood had planned to spend some time in London, working and saving before exploring the rest of Europe. After meeting some Americans in London, she was invited instead to Vermont to experience a white Christmas. Peter's first time in the snow coincided with the worst blizzard and cold snap that part of the world had experienced in 70 years. So in search of a warmer climate, Peter jumped on a train to New Orleans, a city she quickly fell in love with. If it wasn't for an ill-fated tour experience, she would probably still be there. Booked a tour to head to the cemeteries. What had happened was a car ran a stop sign and hit a pickup truck and then that pickup truck ran into the tour group. Wow. So this was in the French Quarter, and in the French Quarter, you can't, you have the road, then you have a bit of a footpath, and you have a house or a building. Like there's nowhere for the, there was nowhere for the pickup really to go except up onto the curb. So I, I know I'm originally would have had my back to it, so I must have heard it jump the curb because it hit me in the chest. Mm. Uh, I didn't lose consciousness, but <laughs> I do remember seeing <laughs> my donkey for the room I was staying in at the backpackers on the ground <laughs> and I'm like picking it up thinking I don't want to lose that because I'll lose my five dollar deposit <laughs> for my dorm and you know when you're a backpacker it's like five bucks you know five bucks five, five bucks yeah yeah and I because I had that on a piece of string around my neck so I pick up the dorm key and I think oh when I catch my breath I'll walk home, but I didn't realize at the time that I'd had two punctured lungs and a few broken ribs, broke my collarbones and lots of internal bruising. And then someone moved to me, they came over to me and they moved me because I think I was kind of stuck between the truck and the building. Mm. I don't really remember. I didn't realize at the time I couldn't turn my head and I couldn't see anybody or anything. And I remember just starting to get a bit panicked, like what the hell is going on? And that's when the Ambos arrived. They asked me, you know, my name, my age quite a few times. And again, being a backpacker, I'm like, because I had my day pack with me and it's got your passport mm -hmm. and all your valuable things. Like I remember just before Christmas being sent some jewelry from home, yep. like just something small. And 
a ring and I was really sort of treasuring that. So I had that in my day pack and I remember asking them, you know, have you got my day pack? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, 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 we've got your bag, we've got your bag. And it's just the stuff you think of when you're traveling, you know, you keep your valuables with you and that's just kind of ingrained into you before you go. And there was two photos in the paper. The one was the front page and it was me on the stretcher being loaded into the back of the ambulance. And then the second photo was everything was sort of gone, but my little bag was just sitting there on the footpath. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a bit of a chuckle about that, thinking, well, someone's, you know, scored a bag of stuff. Backpackers (laughs) left those, prized backpackers. (laughs) Yeah. I was in hospital for a couple of weeks and then because my lungs were punctured, I had to stay in a hotel for another week just to make sure that they were okay. Had really, really awesome people looking after me throughout. And yeah, and I had to get a new passport, obviously, because I lost my passport. I had to get a new passport photo and everything to get home. And my insurance flew my mum over. Yep. It took her about a week to get there. I was so happy to see her. And even the nursing staff and stuff are saying, you know, who's coming over to look after you? And I remember saying to one nurse, oh, my mum will be here soon. And she's like, oh, okay, then I'll be your mama till your mama <laughs> gets here. And like there was a big sort of fuss about who was going to come over and help me out. Yep. So that was awesome to have someone be able to come over who could take care of things for me because obviously I wasn't in any state to. And I was so grateful to have someone there that I knew on the flight home. Yeah, yeah. Because that was pretty arduous to get back. We had to go from New Orleans to LA and then LA to Sydney and Sydney to Brisbane. So to do all of that with multiple broken bones and worrying about my shoulders and everything all braced up in a brace and luggage and stuff, it was great to have somebody there. So while I thought I was going to settle in New Orleans, it didn't quite work out that way. When you get picked up by the ambulance and you arrive at the hospital, you know, you hear all these horror stories about the, the American healthcare system and, and um, you know, how expensive it is. At what point did somebody ask you, how are you going to pay for all this? That was pretty early on. I was in a fortunate position in that bought some insurance in Australia and I thought it was just for the UK and Europe. And then when I left London, even though I knew I was only going to stay for a few weeks, I actually bought extra insurance for the US. Mm-hmm. And a part of me was actually because of the medical costs that was in the back of my mind because I remember a story, the lady that I was going to visit, her mum had fallen and broken a few ribs. And I remember saying, you know, is she all right? What did the doctor say? And I remember her saying, well, you know, she didn't go to the doctor. There's nothing they could do anyway and she didn't want to have to pay to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I remember being quite shocked by that at the time. And I thought, well, I'd hate to fall over or something and not be able to afford to go and see a doctor if I, Mm. little did I know. So you had two insurance policies and you were lucky enough to have some legal support through friends and they reviewed both those policies for you to determine which one to use. They said that the one that I got in Australia was actually the better one and it was the one that flew my mum over and it covered more options for me because there were lots of things to navigate in the US system about what your insurance will and will not cover and there's no way I could have done that. Do do you think that if you didn't have that insurance and that that level of, I get you know, the ability to pay, that your your care would have been different. Um, I 
don't think the people who were looking after me would have treated me any differently, mm-hmm. but I think their hands would have been tied in certain things they probably could have done. Yeah. And I don't know if it would have meant I would have been moved to a different hospital sooner or what. I, I, I don't, I couldn't really say. I know on an individual level, the people I dealt with were brilliant. But yeah, I would hate to think that their hands would have been tied in a certain way because I wasn't insured. But I do remember them talking to me about different sort of figures of money it would have cost me without it mm-hmm. being quite taken aback and you know just little things like oh we need to move you by an ambulance this is how much it's going to cost and yeah. sort of being quite shocked well I don't know where I would have got that money otherwise did you have any real idea of, of what the overall cost was because of the punctured lungs and everything in emergency and ICU I was coming close to 300,000 yeah just for that part of it. So you bought travel insurance back in Australia before you set off on your adventure. Are you fully aware of, of what that insurance covered? No, no, not at all. Obviously, because it covered the US and I didn't even really realise. Yeah. It was in smaller print. I was like, I just want insurance, like if I lose my camera or I get stuck somewhere or, mm-hmm. you know, if I did need medical care. It was more like I was going to have this big exotic adventure off the beaten track after I earned a bit of money in the UK. So it's just more like I felt like I wanted to have bases covered and not worry. As a 21-year-old who's never been overseas before, what drives someone to get insurance in the first place? I don't recall being prompted to get it. I do remember asking if they had recommendations Mm -hmm. or what sort of insurance do they think is is a good insurance. I think it's just something when you, and this is the days before Google, so you're reading all the travel books. Yeah, yeah. Lonely Planets. Yeah, it was those travel guides saying just cover yourself and, and then you can relax on your holiday. And I think that's what it was for me. It was peace of mind and and just really enjoy it because you might not get that chance again. You never know what's around the corner. Like I'll never forget ringing my friend from Castle, Maine and saying, this is it. I'm never coming home. Love this place. And literally within 24 hours, my life had completely changed. There's no way I could have stayed on, on my own. I had no choice but to come home. And that's probably been the biggest takeaway for me is that literally life can change on the turn of a dime, as they say. Well, that was Peter Gilbert sharing with us her story of travelling through New Orleans and the aftermath of a a, a vehicle accident and the impact that insurance had on her life. Had she not purchased travel insurance, it's likely that the medical costs would have continued to impact her life long after the injuries had healed. And for the final word, I asked Stephen Webster from Covermore Insurance, what should travellers be aware of today when purchasing travel insurance? Travellers should check whether their choice of insurer offers COVID-19 benefits and most importantly, what's included in that cover. So for example, at Covermore, our our cover or our benefits rather include uh, situations where if you or your travel companion are diagnosed with COVID-19 and you cannot start your trip, there's a benefit covering that scenario. Or if the person you're planning on staying with overseas has had to go into quarantine and you need to find new accommodation, that's also covered. And also we provide cover for your overseas medical costs if you're diagnosed. These are just a few of the COVID-19 benefits that we offer amongst a range of others. But 
Aside from COVID-19 cover, there's a number of other important considerations to include purchasing insurance at the time of booking flights and accommodation and other activities is a big one. Now, we all know that things can happen before you even depart, unavoidable things that mean you might need to amend or even cancel your trip. So if your policy is in place, you're covered for those cancellation costs. So it's incredibly important to buy your policy at the time of incurring other costs, such as flights, accommodation, etc. Another big one is adventure sports or or activities is another consideration. If you plan on enjoying snowboarding or, or skydiving, trekking, etc., check that your policy covers you for those sorts of activities. Sometimes the base policy doesn't cover you for activities or sports like this, but it is sometimes possible to purchase an add-on to ensure that you are covered. And the final one is to make sure you declare any pre-existing medical conditions at the time of getting a quote. It's always advisable to do this so your insurer can help you choose a policy that's, that's right for you and reflects your needs. That's it for today's episode of Navigate. I'd like to thank my guests for joining me and you'll be able to listen to their full interviews on our webpage. Please click like and subscribe and we look forward to speaking to you again.